Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Did we get roasted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the commenters was like, a little bit of preparation would go a long way. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. And with that, we could probably just uh, roll right into it. All right. Because I think it's it. a it's a good place to start. Our commenters were going off. 115 comments on the last episode. Damn. That giveaway is really... Uh... No, no, no. They just really like our show. Okay, yeah, that's what it is. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. 115. All right, never mind, guys. Going. The giveaway is off. <laughs> and there was like a secondary boost where all of a sudden like the views started popping, the comments started popping. So it was, it was good stuff. But yeah... Um, not holding any uh, punches in the in the comments. So thank you, commenters. Continue to do that. Continue to roast us. Uh, let us know how we can be better. Yeah, like I said, we're just going to keep intentionally screwing some stuff up so that we get the comments. Uh, Boost well, the engagement. So we sent anybody who subscribed to our newsletter, if you got uh, yesterday's issue. Yeah, the 227 issue. Yeah, yeah, I got that one for sure. The subject line to like 80,000 people. Brackets, 227 draft all caps just didn't put a subject line who got fired was it you <laughs> did you get fired so this is what happened so my my heart kind of drops i'm like this is so unprofessional this is so sloppy and then i go you know what this is going to be one of those things where so many people want to correct us or like call us out or see if we maybe left something in there that would have been cleaned up had we like finalized it right like maybe something left over in the draft people weren't supposed to see our open rate is going to be the highest it's ever been, and we're gonna we're gonna break uh, a record <laughs> with that subject line. So there you go. It's all part of the plan. Yeah, it's all part of the plan. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. Strong, uh, strong issue. But yeah, definitely didn't mean to blast everybody with uh, 227 draft subject line. But the issue was in good shape. So, and um, in that issue, we talked about the tomahawk. The Tommy. People like the Tomahawk. It's my most viewed TikTok is the Tomahawk. Oh, did you put it on TikTok? Yeah, I did. Well, I, I put a video out on a Tomahawk probably six months ago, maybe. I've got it pinned up to the top. So you knew. I knew. The, the Tomahawk is the shot of the, the future. Yeah. Mark my words. No, it did um, really well the one we posted, too, on uh, on Instagram. People really liked that. And people really liked it in the, in the newsletter. I think that's why um, the episode did so well last week. You put. You got to do more. Did you bring your paddle? I've got the paddle. Yeah. So maybe we'll uh, we'll break out some more. Um, you know, walkthroughs of different shot types and stuff like that. There you go. I saw you guys partnered up with Proxer for the uh, their their advertising in the Dink. That's awesome. Yep. Love those guys. Yeah, yeah. I actually did confirm with them from last episode. It's not Proxer. Tropical is wrong. It's oh. Pro XR. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Thank so. you for clarifying yeah everybody was talking about it everybody yeah yeah it's probably good to get that uh good good to get that out there um but uh all right so yeah we're still going on the top commenters and we will bring 
a top commenter on. But the goal is like, you got to be a consistent commenter. You got to be somebody who like is in the know so that when we have you on, you're not a deer in headlights. Like, you know, our topics, you know what we're going to talk about. It's like, you're our friend. Okay. Like you're our friend. <laughs> yeah, like you're <laughs> that choice of wording though. I mean, Chad lactates. He's basically my, uh, <laughs> he's basically my best friend now. Did I, was that, cor- I was correct on that, huh? It's no. lactates. <laughs> no, <laughs> we got to get tropical on here he to help replied. us pronounce this guy's name. He replied. Also, he said, he said, you should know him. He said he watched your paddle in the bathroom at the 2021 New Jersey open. He, wait, 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 what? Yeah. So he, he goes another. So he commented again, another great pod. I love the backdrop. Don't change it. Lactates question mark, exclamation mark had me dying. And this, after I watched your paddle for you while you used the bathroom at the 2021 New Jersey Open. <laughs> okay. Watched. I thought you said washed. Like oh. <laughs> washed my paddle off in the bathroom. Yeah. Like what yeah. the hell is what the hell is this guy talking about? Wait, so then do you know who this guy is? Do you know what I'm talking about? Of do course. You know Chad Lactates. Yeah, yeah. How, right. how could I, you know, I'm boy. gonna have to pull up a picture of this guy. That's our boy. That's our boy. But uh, people people also frequently said that you're very funny. <laughs> no comment on my humor. So apparently I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm a, I have to, I have to say something. I had a, had a super coffee this morning. Mm-hmm. I had a more than energy this afternoon. Okay. You're popping. I'm feeling spicy. <laughs> like right. I'm, I'm good to go. Like okay. it's, it's like 85 degrees here in Austin. I've got the, uh, you know what the kids say? It's sun's out, ankles out. So yeah. I've got the, uh, got the ankle socks on. I got a nice little ankle tan over here on the way. I'm like somewhere in between James Ignatowicz PPA interview and Ryan Sherry after 72 hours of Vegas binging. Daddy's like home. In the best way possible. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. Big Daddy's Papa home. Jimmy. <laughs> Big Papa Gucci in the, uh, <laughs> in the pickle studio. I mean, I, I just knew studio. watching that. I was like, we're going to be able to make content out of this for days. Exactly. Well, I know one of the one of the segments that that I told you that I wanted to talk about was a a meme of the week or a meme review. Yeah. But honestly, there's no point. This I looked week at, yeah, was, it was just all James Ignatowicz, yeah. which when you think about it, the guy really is just kind of like a walking meme. Yep. He is a meme. Everything he does. For sure. Yeah. The way he looks, the way he talks. Yep. The way he like dances in between shots. The guy is a meme. Where he's just constantly split stepping. Shivering, I think it was, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Shivering. Man, that it's guy. It's like he's trolling. He <laughs> He's like, How can I get really good at pickleball just to show everybody that this is a this is a, a dumb sport and I'm yeah. just trolling? That's yeah. James Ignatowicz is playing the the long game. Here's a problem though. We didn't we didn't see this one coming. We're thinking about all these other podcasts as competition. He's got his own podcast. That's that's problematic. He's made for podcasting. So we've got a tall order to try and uh, compete with him. But I think we could do it. That's true. But um, he's, he's a, I think he'd be good. I mean, I'll never listen to any of those, of course. <laughs> yeah, but like, Why wouldn't if I see, right here. <laughs> if I see some clip or something on Instagram, I might, I might check it out. Yeah. Basically, when James shows up on my timeline... I look. Yeah, you know, see what's up. I mean, he really like he really burst onto the scene. Not only like not only is his play there now, right? Like first two gold medals, PPA, but I think he's doing what everybody else should be thinking about, which is being vocal when he gets on camera. Do some do something crazy. Do something out of the box. Make people talk. And 
all of a sudden he's like in the conversation for probably like fan favorite, right? And his personality is just like larger than life right now. And so, you know, I go to memes of pickleball to look at what the what my favorite meme of the week is, and it's all just Ignatowicz. Do we think that uh, do we think that James Ignatowicz, sorry, Big Papa Jimmy Ignatowicz runs the meme of, of pickleball account? He could have some input. He could be he could be influencing for sure. Now I know he doesn't actually run it, but that'd be a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Remember when everyone was trying to figure out NML? All those theories. I do. Yeah. I do. That was that was a wild time. Yeah. People fun. people thought it was me. Yeah. Um, Grant Bond, AJ Kohler was on the list. <laughs> That's. I I can't, I can't imagine AJ, like ever writing something. Or yeah, like sitting down and taking the time to yeah put together blogs and stuff like that. He strikes me as a guy that doesn't own a computer. Yeah, like he's yeah, got a phone yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Your phone's computer in one way, but the guy yeah. definitely does not have a laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would put good money on that. Yeah, yeah. Not a big tech guy. He's like Adam Stone, where it's like to get his podcast up, we had to like teach him how to use a a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we had a bunch of other uh, great comments. So one I'd like to call particular attention to. Uh, and I'm not going to say whether I agree with it or not, but Zane is now better than Chris Olsen in every way. I agree. Yeah. Kind of a no-brainer. Next comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's not really every, anything to debate there. <laughs> everyone keeps being like, wow, Zane was a great guest. It's like, no, Zane is a host. Zane is a great host, everybody. <laughs> Zane's a great yeah. host. Do you think that's an indictment on your um, ability to control the podcast? and choose the topics and stuff like that do you think maybe you need to pick up the slack i probably could but <laughs> you know this is this is your area of expertise i just play oh, pickleball and talk shit so <laughs> that's what i'm good at i think that's what big papa jimmy does exactly we, we need you on the content creator side yeah we'll we'll work on it but you said like your your mornings are these mornings specifically which is tuesday we record every tuesday are filled with calls and then you hang up the phone you run over to the our dink proprietary dink studio see that here <laughs> for sure yeah it's uh i do a lot of uh a lot of work outside of just playing pickleball obviously i have the the companies that i that i work with and and represent and i i try to get on a call with them basically every every week to figure out what's going on yeah. um you know how i can how i can promote them what's going on in, in my world um also touch base with with my couple of employees and we you know kind of game plan for the for the week and there's always there's tons of stuff going on at all at all yeah. times so yeah. i basically am on calls from like nine to uh nine to about twelve thirty today and then i run over here it's a nice it's only a 10 minute walk which is perfect from the apartment so people don't think about all the work pros put in off the court build the brand build the business work with the sponsors figure out how to make this uh, a true uh, career. It's kind of what you it's kind of what you make of it, right? Like you don't have to do those things. I like doing those things. Yeah. I think maybe one of a handful of people that does like mm -hmm. doing that. It's a lot easier to train and and play and not worry about, you know, social media or running clinics or or, you know, keeping good relationships with the the sponsors, newsletter, all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And all that stuff is is definitely time consuming, but I think there's an an ROI and 
And I do think that, especially in a sport like pickleball, where there's a pretty quick turnover rate, you want to build a, a brand sure. because, you know, any of us could get injured mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a brand and people aren't seeing you mm-hmm. on the court, you're you're toast, right? You can't basically, you can't live off of that. Right. But if you put in the legwork, I think that, you know, prize money is going up and up, whatever. I think I will make more money from pickleball down the road than I am now, even if I'm not playing at all. Yeah. Right. Because it's planting the seeds and building something now that's going to live on hopefully forever. I mean, just like, you know, you're not winning any pro tournaments yet. Right. (laughs) But I'd have to assume that the the dink is, is crushing pretty well. We're doing all right. Yeah. Um, we're doing a lot of different things, right. To maintain that presence across different channels. I think pros need to think about it the exact same way we do right but at the same time when you're training and you're competing on the weekends that's tough it's got to be tough to balance right it is i try to i try to be pretty i'm very very scheduled and and organized and i try to be as efficient as i possibly can where i block certain time off to to do my workouts and obviously to to practice and whatnot um but you know for me i'm probably doing pickleball stuff for my game, mm-hmm. probably four to five hours a day. Really? And like on court drilling? No. So like there's, I usually do about two hours of, um, off court stuff. And so that's, you know, that's, that's fitness. Um, you know, a little bit of, of research on, on ways to make yourself or myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to do a little bit of, of meditation, because I think that that really helps with uh, getting locked in and, and dialed in. Um, stretching. So basically there's two hours of off-court stuff and then probably two to three hours of on-court stuff, probably five or six hours of pickleball-related work stuff. Right, right. So it's a full day. Yeah. All right, so two years down the road, right? Setting aside any potential winnings or you know how big the, the purses might get. Um, what do you foresee being your biggest like revenue stream? Cause I think you are kind of, I mean, you're building the business of Zane at this point. So what do you think like a year or two years from now, what do you see as your main source of, of, of income? And I know there's projects that aren't being revealed at this point. <laughs> maybe you can dance around them if those would be the biggest. There's always, always projects, but, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited about, creating content that is going to drive people to showing up to to either my clinics or mm-hmm. clinics taught by my method mm-hmm. um which obviously is how you sort of grow that business something like like you know right now I'm reading the Andre Agassi's book Open where he talks about the Nick Bolitary Tennis Academy which was then sold to to IMG but Nick Bolitary built this tennis academy with very, very little knowledge of tennis. Mm-hmm. But, you know, think about having somebody who, who does have knowledge of the sport. They can create a method and a way of, of developing players. And when this sport becomes a, a high school sport, college sport, Olympic sport, right, there's going to be a lot of, of juniors looking for development programs. And I think that that's, you know, my, my ultimate goal. I like to help people get better. I'm 
perfecting my craft as a as a coach and I'm creating content so that people know me and then down the road I think it'd be pretty cool to to have a program so or like an your own academy essentially you were doing the camps for a bit with mm-hmm. the APP yeah are you still doing the camps not with APP anymore no I'm doing my doing my own camps um scheduling a whole bunch of them around here in in Austin yeah um but actually the way that I think I think the best investment for me right now is to kind of just create the the content and get well known yeah um and then you know there's always time to actually run the camps myself later if I want to mm-hmm. but I think establishing that that reputation and and you know being known as as somebody who who thinks about the game and thinks about it in in new and innovative ways I think is something that's that's good for my long term okay so playing on one of the comments on the on the YouTube video and then we'll we'll get to some of the other topics and you can start being a host and not just a guest cuz I'm basically <laughs> interviewing you right now you're grilling me man you're <laughs> grilling me one of the comments was I agree um, I like how I don't know what they're agreeing with I like how Zane Dennis Navertil nailed the, the middle name, is analytical. I'd like him to analyze his game. What do you see in your game videotape? So like if you were to just like self-assess, what are some things that you're working on or maybe some gaps in your game that you're, you're looking to improve right now? Yeah. Um, you know, right now, I think that the, the kind of the future of, of this game is in the hand speed. You can mask a lot of things if you have very quick hands, and you can actually be a lot more aggressive and play with more margin for error if you do have quick hands. Meaning, like if JW pops up an attackable dink, that's fine because he can bail himself out with his mm-hmm. his hands, right? Not everybody, myself included, has that yeah. luxury. So I'm really working on on improving my my hand speed, my reactions, and um, and trying to get better in those exchanges. Um, singles, I'm working on trying to take the ball earlier and earlier um, because every step inside the court that I can take a ball is a step that my opponent isn't taking towards the net. Yeah, right. Meaning, if I can take the ball earlier, I can create better angles and and make it so that my opponent has a tougher time covering the court. So that's the that's the singles game. I've also been experimenting. Oh boy, I've been experimenting <laughs> with a new serve. Really? Don't it, it works really well sometimes? Okay, that's good. Sometimes, okay, sometimes what I can sometimes get it sometimes would like put a percentage on that. I'm, I'm, I mean, right I'm, I'm making it probably 90% of the time, but it does what I want 50% of the time. Okay. And I've, I've been, I've only been experimenting with Are it you for a little bit. Any details or we're just going to cliffhang this? Let's yeah. Yeah. Let's cliffhanger it. Zane, okay. Zane reveals it on the next episode of the, the pickle pod. You got to record a clip though. You got to like, you got to do it. We got to be able to see it. Okay. We'll have Jamie throw that in. Jamie. <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Uh, okay, um, wait. Last thing on that, though. If you're trying to improve your hand speed, like, what can you do? Like, what are the best drills to? Um, I hit against a wall a lot, actually. It's it's tough because you kind of can anticipate where the ball is going to come based on um, based on where you hit it. So that's that's good for just getting the paddle moving quickly. Um, 
doesn't really, I think, do much for your reaction time. So I also have one of those like eight-sided balls that you use for baseball. I toss that against a wall and, right. and catch it a little right, bit. Right, right, right. I'm probably doing that 10 minutes a day, something like that. Okay. So don't know if it works or not, but I do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you should look up like hockey drills. I feel like those would be pretty relevant. Yeah. Killer Kohler, he was a goalie. Yeah. Maybe there's something he was a goalie? I think so, yeah. No. I, I thought he was. No. Was he? I, for some reason, I thought he was, but I couldn't I, be I wrong. know he was a hockey player. He's got fast hands. Actually, aren't you guys, like, related or something? <laughs> no. No? Who the hell am I did thinking think about that? Though? Did you actually think that? I thought you were about to make a joke. No, I don't know. Uh, we're not related. Oh, okay. But you guys knew each other somehow from, from a while so ago, he's right? sponsored by Frometh. Right. And I think maybe Lotto. Definitely Frometh, and Frometh is owned by my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, like, somewhat of a relationship there, right? Like, I know the Frometh guys really well. He does, too. Um, and obviously, we've had him on the podcast, hung out at tournaments and stuff like that. So, Gotcha. Okay. But, uh, I wish I was related to him. That'd be cool. Related to the Iceman? Is that the nickname? Uh, that's what he said. <laughs> He's the Iceman? Can't come up with your own <laughs> nicknames, though. You know the golden rule of nicknames? Can't come up with your own nicknames. Yeah. That one hasn't really caught on. No. Yeah. Nobody calls him the Iceman except for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe us in like, some Instagram comments sometimes. And then everyone was like, what? I kind of like it. So it died. I mean... Killer Kohler is way better. Let's get the alliteration. It's good. All right, so now it's my turn to be a host, oh, not like a guest. That. Okay. Let's talk about the ice storm that was PPA Minnesota. Yep. Open. Yep. Don't know what it was actually called. Yep. Nope. Carvana wasn't that. Carvana something. I think it was like Vulcan. Yeah, was Vulcan the, was Vulcan? the sponsor. Yeah. Okay. We'll piece this together. You get it. Vulcan. Commenters. Indoor National Championship. Commenters, just let us know. Yeah. The Vulcan just Indoor National Championship. this podcast. The PPA, the Carvana PPA Tour Vulcan National Championship. In, Vulcan Indoor National Championships. I bet that's it. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, pull that up. Some good detective work there. We're very, uh-huh. we're very uh, cerebral. On, uh, on this pod so um, anyway yeah so um, it was kind of the uh, as we were talking about it was the Ignatowicz show yeah what do you think about uh, the the new Christian Alshon James Ignatowicz beef this is good okay this is good so let's try and uh, let's try and piece this together so are they friends I think they actually I think friends. they actually right. I don't know if they're friends or not Frenemies. but I think they train together. Yeah, so they're part of that crew. Or they're from that same in, area. Like Boca, mm-hmm. right? Which is like the Johnsons, Anna Bright, James, Gabe Tardio, uh, Stocksrud, I think, is over there a lot. I think and, I think uh, Fetty is over in the other side. He's on. He's in Naples, but I feel like he gets he over there. He probably gets over there. And also, he plays a key role in this whole beef. Because if you look, as I was looking, he's always the one in the comments instigating oh i love it he's always he's always chirping and trying to get him he's stirring the pot baby we need that (laughs) he's stirring the pot pablo over there yeah because okay so ignatowich posts a highlight point from the masters it was like january 16th right so like a month like a little over a month ago and in the first comment is stocksred and he's like you should spend more time with your stepson christian alshon (laughs) and james responds i would be i would if he was behaved better Wow! Yeah, I didn't yeah. know about the stepson comment. Neither did I. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what the the uh, 
I don't know what that's about. Um, but then on January 23rd, um, I think, uh, yeah, okay, Alshon tweets, sometimes I don't want to train, but I go train and keep in mind that I can get a PPA title before James Ignatowicz. And then Stocksford Didn't again. did age well. Stocksford again. I thought you had higher standards slash goals than that. And Christian goes, start small. <laughs> right? So this is building. And then um, Alshon tweets on January 24th, I don't think I'm overconfident, but I do believe I could beat James Ignatowicz in pickleball with a wooden spoon. And that was awesome. So we like screenshot of that and put that out there because that was really funny. Two hours later, James Ignatowicz makes a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you got this timestamp. Yeah. This, this is yeah. amazing. <laughs> he goes, this is my first Twitter post. I've never used this before, but I will come out swinging. With a wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah. And then I didn't have enough time to like keep digging and going back and forth through comments. But on February 26th, James goes, which is two days ago, right after he wins. Won two times gold medals at the PPA Minnesota this past weekend. I'm going to start tweeting more, by the way, on my mission to more Twitter followers than Christian Alshon. And Alshon responds, took you long enough. Um, and my whole take on this thing is like, Christian Alshon hasn't really done anything in pickleball yet, right? Like he's a good player, obviously. Um, but what he is doing is being super vocal. He's constantly tweeting. He's doing YouTube content. He's all over Instagram. He's commenting on stuff. He's chirping. And uh, he's just like, and, and his behavior on the court, the tweeners, like he hasn't done anything in pickleball and yet everybody knows who he is all of a sudden. It's true. This is true. That's a, that's another way of, of building the brand. And I, you know, I think that, I think that obviously it's, it's coming for him. Like he's going to be, he's going to be pretty solid if he keeps putting the, yeah. the work in, but yeah, I mean, people can take lessons that all it takes right now is some effort to build a brand in, in right. pickleball right? and, you know, just do what you're, what you're good at, be yourself, but be kind of unapologetically yourself and just be out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, the takeaway I have from this is yeah. I am going to start a Twitter beef with somebody. Yeah, you have to. Who should I, who should I start a Twitter beef with? I don't know. Somebody who uh, somebody not, who you come up against in both singles and doubles frequently. Gotcha. I was going to say a guy now. Right. I was going to say Chris Olson, but that'd be worthless. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're already better than him in every way. As let's the see. Have pointed out. All right. How about this? It's going to be Dylan Frazier. I like it. It's going to be like Dylan quiet. Frazier. Yeah. So that I am just going to throw shit his way constantly. Keep poke. Keep poking the bear. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's tough because I don't think he'll rebuttal so much. Until you push him far enough. <laughs> oh, there we go. I think he could be one of those guys that's yeah. just like super chill until, until all of a sudden he right. snaps. <laughs> and uh, and PicklePod listeners, we're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> we will find out. Yeah. I like that one. Um yeah, but I, I would say like, so the tournament overall was just more entertaining. And I honestly, I think partially because Ben and Anna Lee weren't there and it opened the door for, you know, all these other people to potentially win. And we did see new people take home goals. For and I sure. think that's, I think that's exciting. I think like last year, a big appeal of the ABP was when you turn that on, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know who's going to win gold and the PPA it's much more predictable. And so the storylines get a little bit old. Seeing something that's a little newer, more faces in the in the mix, uh, I think that's just like more more entertaining. 
Agreed. And then when uh, when Ben and Anna Lee aren't there, it changes up some of the the partnerships that like you know Collins playing with uh, Big Papa Jimmy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Anna Lee doesn't have her her normal partner, and and so there's there's different matchups there as well. It changes up all the seating, so you're not getting the same the same people playing in the same rounds as much. Um, yeah. So pretty cool stuff. Lauren and, and Julian making a final. That's yep. solid. Yep. Um, They're doing a good job. PPA doing a good job of playing up these like, uh, you know, relationships that also compete like against or together on the court. Really the, leaning into that. PPA is uh, they're getting a little savage with their with their social media presence. They, I'm about it. Guess how many employees they have. What are they at? Like 50 now? 60. 60. I was like, oh, my God. And they have a whole content team now. So, yeah, I think we're going to see them lean way more into these narratives. And, I mean, that's what we've been talking about is, like, missing from the sport, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely a good thing. Yeah. One narrative I have some uh, some takes on okay. was uh, the Salome versus Leia match. Yep. You watch any of that? I didn't watch that one, but I understand uh, the beef that's been sort of boiling there uh, and uh, the fact, like, from from my understanding, it's like every time they play, Leia immediately requests more referees. <laughs> yeah, there's the there's one, one additional referee every time they yeah. play. Now they're up yeah. to twelve. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They probably should have been though. All um, the other matches stop. So, yeah, exactly. All referees, please report to yeah. court number one yeah. for for a, a Leia versus Salome match. Yeah. But well, I break have, it down for me. Yeah, I want to. I want to understand. So from a couple weeks ago, there's a pretty egregious screenshot of yep. of mm-hmm. um jamie pull that up <laughs> yeah put that on there jamie of of a call that was made by uh by salome i believe it was against megan fudge at a really crucial part point of the match and it's it's rough uh it, call wasn't overruled and so I, I tuned into that match between Leia and Salome because I love drama. And this is why you need – this is why everybody needs to lean into this stuff. This drama makes you want to – the next time Christian and James play, I'm glued. I'm there. I want to see what's going to happen. Right? Absolutely. These are the things that are going to drive viewers. And uh, so anyway, continue. 100%. I think it's great. Yeah. No, it's it's good. That's – you know, it's – one of the very few matches I actually watched from from the weekend, um, but it was a it was a hook fest. Like I think both players were, were making bad calls. There were there were memes about it. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you what your what your stance is on basically cheating and preemptive bad calls. Meaning, yeah. like if you're playing me and you know. As soon as you hit the line with a shot, I'm calling it out. Do you start the match by playing fair, or do you start the match by, okay, lines are out this match? Yeah. What What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to go into it with the mentality of I know what this person, I know this person's track record, I know their behaviors, and I'm not going to let them use that to their advantage, and so I'm going to fight fire with fire. And if I know this person has hooked me a million times in the past and they're going to do it again today, then I'm going to do it right back because I need to even the playing field. And if the worst consequence is like a warning, then why not? 
right? I mean, what really is the the downside? You might lose timeouts here and there, but you know. Yeah, there's the there's the court of public opinion, though, right? That's, True, for sure. We talked about that last episode. Yeah, right, right now I'm seeing that as yeah. kind of the the only downside, right? Yeah. So I just wonder if it's like, what's the actual ethics there? Like, you're not playing by the rules of the game. However, the way I think about it is, you're playing. You can play by the rules presented by your opponent as well. Meaning, if my opponent's calling the ball right. on the line out, should I play by the rules of pickleball or by the rules of my opponent? Right. And the court of public opinion, is that the phrase you used? The I court like of public that. opinion, yeah. Okay, I like I, that. I did not invent that term. Right. No. They're going to be more favorable to you and your questionable cause because they know your opponent's doing it to you, right? So you sort of have this uh, veil, if you will, right, where you can, you can push the limits more. I suppose so. But I mean, I see, I, I watched that and people are, people don't always have the full context, right? They don't know that, that these guys have had matches back and forth where there's been some really bad calls. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I've never played, I've never played Salome, um, in anything. I've played Leia a couple times. I've played Leia a bunch of times. We've had a lot of very close matches. Um, Leia's never hooked me. Mm-hmm. I've never hooked Leia. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's interesting seeing how things change when you know you're going up against somebody that has uh, a reputation. Right. And that's the interesting thing. Like I played junior tennis, I played college tennis. And when I was playing them, I had a kind of a, a process because I didn't know who I was playing for the yeah, most yeah. part. There, there was just some random person. First time that they made a bad call against me or what I perceived to be a bad call, I would assume it was a mistake. Yep. Like, that's fine. Second time, I would basically like, I'd question them and, and assume that now, on, now it's like, okay. Third time, it's gloves off. Yeah, Lines yeah. are out for both of us now. Like, I'm done. I'm done playing nice. Yeah. Right? You make three I bad calls on me. kind of like how most people are, right? I think so. But also now, I, can't, I might go into a match now knowing exactly who I'm playing against. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was a random kid that I had no idea who it was. Yeah. Now I know, okay, I'm playing, you know, so-and-so. I know that they make bad calls. They've made bad calls against me. They've made bad calls against you. They make bad calls all the time. Now do we, now I start with the idea of okay the lines are out this match I guess right but that's another thing you know we talked about the challenge system in in uh, at MLP I think that you know we need to follow a college tennis type of system where when you make a bad call the first time is a warning second time is a point penalty third time's a game penalty you'll have to figure out what a, a game penalty is equivalent to in, in pickleball but right now you can get overruled 10 times and nothing really happens right right so it's the same kind of the same deal as what i said last time if you're playing only to win you should call every single rally ending shot out <laughs> regardless of whether it's in right. the middle of the box or not right just it, it just like Almost, it's like statistically speaking, you should. Like yeah. It, it'll work in your favor. Yeah, because statistically speaking, your referee is going to be sitting there like this. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's an issue. It's an interesting, you know, ethical dilemma. Commenters, this is a great chance for you. What do you guys, what do you guys think about this? Like, if your opponent is definitely cheating, 
is it okay to do the same thing? I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if I, I don't know the answer there, but, but I do know there's a finite amount of referees. So then the question is, you know, if, if they have this track record, yeah. So first you need to put in, put in place some sort of, of system to keep, hold them accountable. But then also, you know, if they've developed this reputation, it should carry over into kind of like soccer, like a yellow card or a red card that part of that penalty actually carries over into subsequent matches, right? So it's not like you just get a blank slate every time. Yeah, you could have this, you know, carry through an entire event of, you know, whether that's singles, you could have it carry through an entire tournament. Yeah, it should just be indefinite. Like, if you have this reputation, like, you're on... A season is tough, right? Because I'm sure... I'm sure... There's a difference between cheating. Like a half life. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. But there's there's a big difference between cheating and missing calls, right? I think that cheating carries intent with it. Yeah. Missing yeah, yeah, yeah. missing calls is That's just, you know, it's a blown call. You didn't mean yeah. to do it or, or whatnot. But um, yeah. speaking of intent, okay, wow. this is a great segue. Speaking of intent, yeah, nice. <laughs> DJ, yeah, definitely intended to throw his paddle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, that was a but, really bad segue. I apologize. The counter, the counter is like it was heat of the moment, right? I would say so. We posted that, and if Jamie put that in there, um, that clip blew up like 200 comments or whatever. Um, a lot of people, I w- it was like 50 50, 50% were like, DJ was in the heat of the moment. He's passionate. He wants to win. This is the highest level of competition. He apologized immediately and he went to and recorded a video right after. You know what? We forgive him. He's a good dude. Like, it is what it is. We move on. The other 50% were like, this is terrible. Find him. If we don't find this, if we don't find him now, uh, you know, we can't find this behavior in the in the in the future. And we need to kind of uh, draw the line somewhere. And there was some outrage. A lot of people were very scared about getting hit in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> very scared about somebody losing their eye. The eye as in particular. That, yeah, as I if hate it when the paddle flies right into is, my eyeball. I have never heard of that happening, <laughs> but for whatever reason, that just kept getting brought up over and over again. Um, but I fall more on the DJ side where I'm like, yeah, like obviously he shouldn't throw his paddle. And yet probably should be some sort of penalty associated with it. But beyond that, it is what it is. Heat of the moment. Yeah, I think the... Uh, I agree. First off, I don't really care if anybody smashes paddles, right? I really don't. Um, you know, people say you might be a, a bad role model. You probably are. I don't think all of us are interested in being role models. I should definitely not be anybody's role model. <laughs> but um, I don't have a problem with, with smashing paddles. And it, what really sucks for, for DJ... If you watch this clip, right, he threw it straight down. Yeah. But unfortunately, it like caught an edge right. and and went right into the paddle or right into the right into the crowd, right into Nancy's eye actually. Of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh at that. See, that's why I'm not a role model. Nancy's fine. You can laugh at it. Yeah. Nothing happened to Nancy. But it, it it sucks for him because like look, same weekend Salome smashed a paddle and she just smashed it on the ground. Right. 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 right, right. You probably didn't even see it. Yeah. Right. You probably didn't even hear about I for, it. I totally forgot about it. I did see it and I just forgot about it. Right. 
and people smack smash paddles occasionally, mm-hmm. right? I, I, like I said, I don't have a problem with it. it. Sucks for DJ that it bounced off into the stands. And it bounced high and far. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. So I made the suggestion, actually. DJ did make that really, uh, really nice apology mm-hmm. video. People were like, oh, DJ, that's okay. You know, it's heat of the battle. I took a contrarian stance. Okay. I said, uh-huh. we should cancel this man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think we should cancel DJ. I like it. Yeah. Cancel him. He should oh. never be allowed to to play pickle again. Go to my Instagram. Um, go to the Dink Instagram. Look at the comments. DM those people. Rally them. Um, you know, you can create like a little uh, a little forum, and you guys can be the movement to cancel DJ. There we go. Is there like a is there something that we can sign? Like, can we put together yeah. a petition? Yeah, change dot Cancel him. Yeah. change.org yeah. there we go <laughs> follow the link in the description so D- <laughs> dj dm'd us and was like is that video doing as well as i think it's doing and i was like yeah it's like, <laughs> like it's getting out it's there. crushing like it's definitely getting shared a lot and i and he was like uh that's not a great look and i was like honestly dude you immediately apologized in the moment and then you had the balls to go get on camera like an hour afterward and do a sincere apology you're a nice, like, honest dude. You're a great player. I think ultimately this was like a net positive and a good look for him. Because when you own up to something and take accountability immediately, I think it actually is, um, it's a good, it's a good luck. Yeah. Well, think about tennis right now too, right? Who are the, the top tennis players? There's, there's Djokovic. There's Nadal. And then who do you think is the, th- the third most marketable male tennis player? Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios. Yep. I wonder what Nick Kyrgios's <laughs> career high there, rank is. Dude, and there's probably a sick montage of all his like paddle smashes and antics on the court. This guy, his highest ranking ever has been 13, right? And the guy, you know, he's just a character. Mm-hmm. He's He smashes his rackets when they're, when they're not you know, performing for him. Um, you know, there's, like we said in a previous episode, there's a space for, for somebody who's going to come in and be the bad guy of, of tennis. And if that means smashing a couple paddles, like, so be it. It's, it's, you know, you're being yourself out there. Obviously you want to make sure that nobody's getting in, in harm's way. But, um, I, I definitely think it's a a net positive for him because, you know, anybody who knows him knows that he's a, a good dude. Would never ever try and you know like hurt somebody mm-hmm. with that. Um, I think I'm sure he'll be more careful. Um, maybe maybe you know what this is what I think it is. I think he just needs to change his paddle smashing technique. So if this is a lesson to anybody, smash as many paddles as do you, you want. Do a, an example with the paddle. <laughs> There's there's footage of me online, <laughs> but um, uh, smash your paddle, smash away, but you got to hold on to it. That's okay. the key takeaway. Yeah, smashing paddles good mm-hmm. if you hold on to it. Right. You can learn that from Zane Navratil pickleball clinics. We have a whole section a on smashing paddles in the next one. Okay, but let's take a second, take a step back, and be like, okay, so who have we talked about so far this episode? Salome, Christian Alshon, DJ, and James Ignatowicz for his crazy interviews. 
I actually don't know who James Ignatowicz is. I only know Big Papa Jimmy now. Yeah, Big Papa. He shall be referred to exclusively as Big Papa Jimmy. Yeah. But you're right. You know, who we've only talked about the the people that are doing something different and interesting. Mm-hmm. So, bad boy, bad woman of uh, of pickleball. It's good for the brand. Mm-hmm. Can be sometimes. Can be. It's a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fine line to play. Yeah. Um, okay. On so I had sort of this like section where it's like growing pains, changes to the game, and overcorrections, right? So what's an overcorrection? An overcorrection would be like, okay, so in MLP, everybody loved the energy, the animosity, the player chippiness. I liked that the coaches the like team managers were getting like into it. A lot of people didn't like that. Now there's talks of, okay, how do we correct those behaviors? I think we said well, let's not overcorrect because it lends to the viewership. It makes it more compelling and interesting. Um, growing pains would be like, uh, okay, we don't really know how to properly officiate bad line calls right now, right? And then changes would be like, okay, well, how do we implement something to prevent line calls? Or uh, like one thing we tweeted was Major League Baseball was founded in the late 1800s. Okay. It's 2023 and they just made massive changes to the game to improve viewership. So changes are never going to be out of the, the question, like when it comes to rally scoring or other ways you might be able to improve gameplay to just make it more visually appealing. Um, but one thing that I think kind of falls somewhere in, in one of those categories is phone usage mid-match or consulting with coaches, kind of in the same vein. Because I see all the time, in between games or even in times out, players like timeouts, players like hop on their phones. Mm-hmm. What are they doing on their phones? Some people have people watching and, and coaching them and texting them. Right. Or they're watching They're watching plays back. Uh, they're like, I mean... I don't know. Any, I don't, do people watch plays back? Is that some info that you know? This <laughs> like It's something I've heard, right? Like you jump onto the live stream to see what happened in the past. In like oh, the last, sure. If it's, if, it's like a, right? if it's like a call or something. Yeah. I, I've definitely done it for... Or or like, I don't know, like you're... It's Championship Sunday. You know, you've played two games and you're like, it's not going my way. In between this game or this timeout, I'm going to watch and see what this player's doing to like beat me right now and it's like almost you're able to do like footage analysis mid-match i think if you can do footage analysis mid-match more power to you right go for it i don't i don't really have a problem with that but right now you have people texting you what they're seeing on the live stream giving you advice based on what they're seeing telling you the other players tendencies what are they doing to you right now that you're not able to see how can you make adjustments to overcome that Mm -hmm. do you think that that's okay is it is it fair i think it's it's fair is an interesting like thing right because what if i have gone and hired an analytics team to watch my stream versus you know you who has maybe a coach right because coaching right now is allowed on timeouts Mm -hmm. right and same, same kind of the same question here like should people be able to coach like on the bench um, well, my first point being fair is, is a hard thing to gauge in sports. Is it fair that I have 10, a 10 person analytics team and you have nobody? Probably not. But 
at the same time, you could hire a 10 person analytics team. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's different, but I don't have a problem with people trying to take, especially in an individual sport, trying to take any legal advantage they, they can. So I don't have a, I certainly don't have a problem with, um, timeout coaching. And actually I think that tennis is starting to add that back a little bit, at least the WTA, you can get coaching every now and then when it used to be a completely, um, no coaching sport. Mm -hmm. I believe tennis still is men's tennis still is a no coaching Mm -hmm. sport, but Again, I'm I'm not a fan of of rules that are difficult to enforce. But where do you where do you draw the line with a coach? Like, because what if they're telling a player mid match, "Hey, challenge that last shot." Why not? You have people in the in the box in football or, or baseball doing the exact same thing. I remember sitting at a PPA in Tampa. I'm sitting there watching two of my friends play in a pro match, and. We started, me and, and one other person started saying, hey, like, you know, that call was out or, you know, we're, we're kind of like we're giving them advice. And the refs were warning us. They were like, one more and you guys have to leave. So at one point there was some sort of regular. And again, we weren't on the bench as a coach. We were sort of like in the stands. So maybe there's a difference there. I think you're allowed to make those things on a timeout but you're not currently allowed to to say things when play is is oh, live right right like so there's part of the distinction there yeah that's the current distinction like i've definitely gotten trouble when or kind of i've gotten my friends in trouble when they've been playing and i'll just stay say some stupid shit to him like i was watching a, a a brandon french match and i think he was playing in atlanta against colin and ben mm-hmm. and i'm on the sideline chirping just saying stupid stuff i said hey frenchy this looks like a perfect point to go for a bag. Yeah. And the referee w- turns around so quickly like, no coaching. One more, that's a warning. I'm like, <laughs> okay. That's probably the worst coaching this guy's ever received. Right, 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 right. But So you, you're not allowed to do it during active play, but I could say that as much as I want on a timeout. Um, but why not? Just, by com- just for comparison, right? Like you watch the NBA, you watch college basketball. The coaches are shouting the like – through the entire like match, right? Like they lose their voice. Like they'll be like, he's open on the wing, hit him. Mm-hmm. That's mid play, right? Yeah. I don't have, I really don't have much of a, much of a problem with that because I think again, like I was getting to before, it's an unenforceable rule. If somebody really wants to be coached, you could come up with some form of, of hand signals that the referee's not seeing. Mm-hmm. You could Morse code, blink your eyes to your, to your person. And it, it means something. You can't enforce a no coaching rule. Um, if people want to get around it, they can. And so I think just like let it happen. And I do think that you need to have restrictions on the coaching. I think there should probably be some form of, of you know, serving clock where you can't have your coach come out onto the court and coach you for 30 seconds before right. every point. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I really don't have a problem with it. So, Stocksford tweeted, should pickleball coaching be allowed? I think it is better to watch players make adjustments without external help. Maggie Raminzi commented, I'm not sure it should 100% go away, but there needs to be more rules around what is slash isn't allowed. I think it's odd when the commentators say, oh, so and so is going to their phone. I wonder who is texting them advice. That should go away. Maybe coaching between games in person. 
Yeah. Um, you know, in person versus phone, I don't make a huge distinction. Now we can watch anything and somebody online can be watching something. I don't know what difference that, that, that really makes. Why does it matter whether you're getting texted it or whether, you know, you and I are having a conversation about it. Um, I think there's something to be said for players making adjustments mid-match themselves, but I don't think there's any virtue to that. That, that. that doesn't make it better necessarily than having somebody tell you, right? Some, port, some sports, your coach tells you what to do. Some sports, you're not allowed to be coached. Like, But to my knowledge, I think tennis is one of the few where you're not allowed to get coached. Mm-hmm. So is one better than the other? I don't know. Yeah. But I think you can't really, if somebody's eager to get around that rule, you can't stop them. Right. As long as everybody has the same ability to go to their phone or consult with a coach, like, then I don't see how it's an unfair advantage. Yeah. I mean, some, some coach might be better. You might have a better coach, mm-hmm. but then that's, that's, that's my fault if you have a better coach than me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Okay. Also, nobody has coaches right now, for the most part. Well, yeah. Almost, almost all the players are no like coaches, coaches. No like real coaches. Yeah, real coaches. Um, and by the way, I think like to have real coaches, like the only people who have played at a high enough level to be like a good coach, I guess in my opinion, are people who are probably still currently playing, right? Like the sport's not old enough at this at this high of a, a talent level for, for there to yeah. be like enough like retired guys sitting around who can come in and, and actually be a, a good like difference making coach. Yeah. That's an interesting, interesting thing to talk about because in other sports, the, the best coaches are not the best players. There are very, very few top level coaches that were themselves yeah. top level players. Yeah. Yeah. But in pickleball, the current, pro players have more knowledge about this sport than than anybody else especially at the rate it's changing yeah you have to have your you have to have your ear to the ground you have to be conversing with with other players about this stuff and you know there's not money in it right now to be a a pickleball coach that's really focusing on thomas's game and right. making it like a better. swing coach right PGA tour like that's coming though that will that will happen 100 percent um i'd bet a lot of money on it but right now right 20 now years from now zane navratil pro- prolific there you go prolific coach i find it i find it really career, like everybody you coach is like gold medal regular <laughs> i find it i find it interesting crazy. like i think there's a lot of space you know, I've spoken with with Tim Parks, who's an MLP owner yeah. of the the Hard Eights. I think there's a lot of there's a lot we don't know about pickleball. There's a, a lot to be learned on the analytics side of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. things because sure. right now there's almost almost nothing. Right, Pickle Mart is coming what up stats with some matter right now. We don't even know. You can collect things, but it's like, oh, okay. You know, like some of the stats that that Jim Ramsey comes up with, they're cool, they're interesting, but they're not always actionable yeah right they're not always you know what can i do what how can i improve my how can i use this information to improve my game it's this is kind of what happened Mm -hmm. and so the next step of of i think analytics is actually making making 
improvements based on some of these mm-hmm. stats. Right. Um, yeah. I do think, I think what Jim does is, is good and gets better every single time. I read him. I find him really interesting. He's adding to the stats that he's, he's collecting and he is making them trend more, uh, actionable. Um, but right now it's just, it's really tough to collect that data. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, if, if, if you think about other sports that are really, even when um, it does too, the sample size is pretty small. Right. It tells you a story of what happened in, in a single match for the yeah. most part. Mm-hmm. But it's much difficult, much more difficult to track this than it is a lot of other sports, right? If you think about other sports, the sport that relies on analytics the most hmm. is probably baseball, right? There's Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There's wow. the whole Moneyball thing, right? Moneyball, exactly, right? But baseball, there's really only two to three things that happen the pitcher pitches the batter swings and then it might go into the into the field and you know exactly where those things are going to occur Mm -hmm. the pitchers at the mound the batters at the plate the pitch is going to be thrown within a small radius and you can track all that relatively easily but pickleball there's multiple players hitting multiple angles different types of shots they advance up the court differently Exactly. They play together differently. It's it's a lot more the stats are so much more difficult to yeah. to collect, but yeah. I think I think it it is inevitably going to happen and we're going to get better data collection methods and whatnot just as society advances and and whatnot, but um okay. But it's interesting. You have and we've tried to talk about this in the last two episodes but never did but you have some sort of theory on side switching oh yeah i think well this is a, people are going to listen to this podcast and be like zane just wants to reinvent this entire game but <laughs> like i said like you said mlb is still changing and they're 140 years yeah, old and just for perspective so major league Bis- baseball was founded in 1876 this year they added a pitch clock right that's pretty significant they eliminated certain defensive shifts to encourage offense, which I don't know. I don't know what that actually entails, but it's it's interesting that a team couldn't play defensively in a certain way, yeah, for the purpose of encouraging more offense. That one seems so odd to me. That one um, does strike me as as odd. But basically, what they did was due to analytics. Now you know okay, so-and-so is at the plate, they pull the ball 90% of the time. And so we're going to put every single one of our defense people on that side. Right. And and you can't do that. You can't do that anymore. That's so weird. I think that's weird. I agree. So weird. I think if you, I think if, that'd, that'd be like saying, you know, JW sits on his forehand. Yeah. You're not allowed to just hit it to his backhand every time. Right, right, right. So anyway, I don't know if I agree with that one, but I'm also not a huge baseball aficionado yeah i know enough to be dangerous but well a lot of people aren't anymore and that's why they're making these changes like bigger bases it's an interesting one to me so you can like to promote more base stealing i think Uh, it's actually i think that one is so that the defender and the base runner can more easily share a base and then you're not like tripping over one another there's easier angles to get to the base my understanding is that and then they added a limit to how many times you can try and pick off a player before you like throw the pitch. Hmm. And those two together were to encourage more base stealing. 
because huh. base stealing creates more chaos and, and more excitement. That'd be interesting. You know, the pitchers already tried to pick you off twice. Now they know that you're not allowed to pick, like, throw a pickoff pitch. They're going. Yeah, why wouldn't they just... They're going to make take a massive leadoff. Yeah, why wouldn't they So just... now you, as a pitcher, have to think about when you're going to, you know, try and pick somebody, because you only have so many to keep that base runner at bay, essentially, right? Interesting. Huh. I well, think we're going to see some interesting developments out of that. Yeah. Where were we at? So, uh, we were you talking were about side switching. switching. Yeah. So the, really, the, the number one thing is it's it's frustrating sometimes to play different amount of points on different sides. Where I think that the side has a much larger advantage in in uh, in pickleball than it does in a lot of other sports. Um, and what made me think about this was. Myself and Rafa were playing against Eric Lang and um, Wes Burroughs at the beginning of the uh, the last tournament in Arizona. Okay. One of the sides was basically like staring into the sun because the yep. sun was coming down, hitting the bleachers, and reflecting like, straight which into your face. Yeah, Like if you go and watch that match, it was first round at the Arizona Grand Slam. Anybody that was on that side looks like a three five mm-hmm. yeah. Rafa and I won the toss so when you win the toss you start on the bad side we get down like seven zero with a bunch of swings and misses and total shanks and we end up coming back because we say to ourselves we can't even hit good attacks if they get the ball back and it's above their knees it's reflecting into our eyes. Yeah. So we need to keep everything low. We need to just dink everything, basically. Mm-hmm. So we made a mini comeback, adjusted. We lost like 11-7 or something yeah. like that. <clears throat> Next game, we're on the good side. We roll 11-1 and probably one side out. Mm-hmm. And then we we switch sides. We're on the bad side again at the beginning. We're like, all we have to do is keep it close because we end on the good side. right? We kept it close at like 6-4. They, they're up 6-4 at the switch. We win like 11-7. They get yeah. one point on the bad side. I think that's a, those are two pretty even teams. And I think that match was almost completely decided by mm-hmm. the uh, the visuals mm-hmm. and the side change. Mm-hmm. So that's not what we want, right? I think we tennis tiebreakers, you switch sides every six points played. Mm-hmm. I think in maybe a game three, you just switch sides every every time six points are scored Mm -hmm. that way you don't end up with one winning side and one losing side you have to play through both of them Mm -hmm. essentially so i don't know i think that that would be an interesting interesting thing to to dabble with um but yeah i think i've suggested about 20 20 changes to the rules by now so so that's not that's not at the absolute pinnacle of what i want changed in this game but it's something to consider um thoughts on that uh i I don't think i have enough experience with the conditions being drastic enough to where it's impacted too much one of the things i think people don't talk about too frequently also has to do with sun but like if the sun is covering only a portion of the court on one side when the ball leaves and enters the light or the shade it can really mess with you in your reaction time and that's less about it coming, you know, down into your eyes or reflecting off of something. And it's more just the way the ball is moving through light. 
And even the sun can change during a match. So that change, and it could even gradually switch to the other side. So <laughs> even if you switch and now you think you have the advantage, oh, well, the sun changed that, like assuming the, the match is long enough and now you're at a disadvantage again. But yeah, it can certainly happen. Same with wind, right? You can yeah. be at a side that's advantageous for wind. Yeah. Um, and that shift that changes. Um, so it's, it's rarely as drastic as it was in Arizona. There are some cases where the wind is just as much of an advantage as that. Yeah. But it's somewhat rare. I would hate to see a an important final or an MLP basically decided by right, right, who right, right. gets the good side. Yeah. It's not like an issue as of now, at least not one that's being discussed consistently because it hasn't happened in that crucial match yet. But as soon as it does, like on the big stage, and all of a sudden everyone goes, well, that sucked to watch, mm-hmm. the conversation will be uh, much more focused on how do we remedy this. Yeah, and especially MLP, right? There's four matches, and you start in the same spots every time. So if I win the coin toss, I choose side. I choose, I'm not choosing side just for my match. I'm choosing side for all four matches and potentially singles. Hmm. So it makes an even more huge impact there where now every single match could be hugely advantageous to play from one side. Also, MLP has that freeze at 18. So you could be playing five times as many points from the good side as the bad side. Right. Which in in four matches, four to five matches. So it's something to consider. Yeah, the freeze is interesting. Uh, the dream breaker I always thought was it, it had too much of an impact on the outcome, but it seems that people really like it. What do you mean by the dream breaker having too much of, of an outcome well, or an, so, of an influence? And I've, I've heard some good counterpoints to this, but basically it's like, okay, so yeah, I've got like these, six lined up already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you play these double matches in the same format. It's, it's it's doubles and that's the match. I mean, you know, you potentially play four games and it's doubles. And then all of a sudden you go to this weird singles format to decide the outcome of the match. You, you've basically created like a new sport to decide mm-hmm. the outcome of a match that is two doubles teams playing one another. My own counterpoint to that is like, well, penalty shootouts in most sports are like... <laughs> exactly the same thing right and eventually you have to so maybe the dream breaker just shouldn't be shouldn't happen as regular right like because in the last mlp it was over 50 percent of the matches ended in a dream breaker zero percent of ours ended in a dream breaker yeah well, you guys <laughs> gotta think about getting a dream breaker <laughs> um what would be so what would be the alternative to uh, a dream a breaker? final uh, a fifth doubles a fifth, fifth doubles, doubles? yeah that's not dramatic. It enough. would be more uniform. I suppose. But is it a men's doubles? Is it a mixed doubles? Is it you could choose. two guys versus two girls? You could choose. Like what if you get to choose? Or what if it's like, you know, similar to a, a dream breaker where you have some say in what that team chooses, right? Like maybe it's like you get to choose the two players and they get to choose your two players. That could be interesting. Wouldn't that that would Mostly, unless you're playing against Anna Lee, that would mostly end up in another women's doubles match. Probably, so. yeah. Yeah. What would be commenters? What would be a 
a different version of the the Dream Breaker. I am not sold that there's a a better alternative the than the was, Dream Breaker. It was gimmicky. It was gimmicky, and to potentially outside who wins all of Major League Pickleball to me, just, it just seemed dumb. But I I think like my thoughts on that have evolved, and it seems that the Dream Breakers are very appealing. Like people really really like them. It creates a ton of excitement, and uh, I think it's it's fun to watch. I think the the initial thought of the Dream Breaker being dumb probably comes from from tennis, where you have when you have guys playing against girls in tennis. Like I think they I think they have something similar in world team tennis. It's it's not good, mm-hmm. but men and female are way closer in in singles mm-hmm. than they are in tennis singles, in singles pickleball, yeah. in singles in singles pickleball and so like you get these string of points where Anna Lee's winning six out of eight against Tyson or you know Lee Whitwell's winning four in a row against against Deckel a couple years ago because anybody can ball strike their way from the baseline to a couple of points which isn't always the case in in tennis and the serve is so dominant in in tennis too so I think I think initial reaction of guys playing girls can be a little bit gimmicky until you realize just how close women are to men in in the singles game. At least for a handful of of points, anybody can get hot for a handful of points, which is part of the beauty too, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you develop a team that you think is the best singles team for a dream breaker. Yeah, and they can lose. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, in the last somebody draft. somebody needs to somebody needs to tell me a, a better alternative yeah, to the right. Dream Breaker. Not just I point don't, out the problem; you got to point out the solution. I, I have plenty of uh, of opinions, as you guys all know, but I don't know I don't know what can be done to improve a Dream Breaker. Yeah, I'd love to hear some other people's ideas. What what can be done to improve a Dream Breaker? I don't know. I think you and I start our own league and. Uh, slash tour and we just changed the rules to our liking because clearly we have uh, a lot of gripes and opinions with the current rules and regulations and done let's do it yeah sounds pretty dope we'll use your eighty thousand newsletter base yep we'll use my five thousand newsletter base <laughs> subscribe to the newsletter <laughs> um and uh and yeah we'll market it that way we'll crush social media Two-hand chainsaws allowed, obviously. We'll do like the um, Savannah Bananas type of thing, TikTok dances. For sure. Um, celebrity cameos. It'll be hype. It will be. That'd yeah, be. this is good. I think we need to do, we need to run one tournament in Austin, like legitimately. Yeah. Let's run one, we'll call it the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. Powered by the dink. Okay, and here's some other stuff, right? Okay, more points, so like two points for a body bag. Um, at a certain amount of dinks, there starts to be a shot clock, right? So once there's 10 consecutive dinks... Wait, did you hear about that from Tim? Was uh, that... No. Uh, Tim Parks, the guy that I was telling you about, uh, yeah. Hard Eights owner, he just texted me He texted today. me something, and maybe he did say something about that, so he could have... Oh, my Roomba completed uh, its job. Anyway. I need to get one, but they're so expensive. I got one for like 200 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I got to do like um, Facebook Marketplace or something like that. Yeah. Roomba, uh, <laughs> let's get Roomba to sponsor the podcast. Roombas sick. are great. One just like drives around as we're uh, for sure. Yeah, Murray, my dog hates the Roomba. Yeah, barks isn't that, at it. Constantly. Isn't that universal? Probably. Yeah, but 
Yeah. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> it does, probably doesn't matter. <laughs> well, Tim Parks texted you something. Oh, yeah. He he texted me just Owner today of the hard eights, about the this. Um, One of the owners. He had an interesting idea. What do you think about a 60-second shot clock in pickleball? If the clock expires, the serving team wins the point. I don't know what I think about it, and I haven't responded to Tim yet, so I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> that, to be fair, he, he did text me on my call day. And uh, that was only an hour and a half ago. So he was he texted me. He has a bunch of opinions on the um, uh, the the like deflection dwell time, the rules and regulations there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there are only so this is kind of back to growing pains, right? Like there are so, only so many things, corrections, over corrections, growing pains. There are only so many things you can change right now. There are only so many fires you can put out. So I think we're going to see this game continue to evolve. And uh, I don't know. That sounded like uh, smart enough of an analogy to close this episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm, what, we've been here for like an hour and, and 15 minutes. <laughs> There's no way anybody's still listening. Anyway, <laughs> register for the Austin Wild West tournament powered by the Dink and yeah. Zane Navratil. Get your it's two-handed like chainsaw. It's like the and one, and one tour, uh, but pickleball. Yes. Register for that on my Venmo account. You can Venmo me your your, <laughs> your, your registration fee. It's $200 per person. Yeah. Um, and no promise as to whether the tournament actually happens or not. Agreed. It may or may back. not happen. Yeah. But to resolve no the fight, you got you to Venmo now. Um, <laughs> exactly. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Leave a review on Spotify. Make a comment on the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll do two more episodes of that, and then we'll, we'll pick the winner for the um, pullover. Love and then it. we'll also start to think about which of you guys is going to come on the pod. And um, if you say anything that gets us canceled... We reserve the right to um, send our attorneys after you. No, I think say as much cancelable stuff as you want. It's, we'll it's Jane, only a matter of we'll time before I now. say something that gets <laughs> yeah. me canceled. So, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, leave your cancelable comments below. Um, yeah, and thanks for thanks for listening. Pickle Pod.